Hi, welcome. This is a, a leadership collaboration series uh, with my uh, colleague uh, Nancy Halpern all the way in New York. Uh, we call it Leadership Lessons uh, from Across the Pond. And uh, Nancy and I tackle uh, key leadership challenges on a weekly basis uh, via LinkedIn Live. Uh, these could be sort of current to the context we're in and some will be sort of evergreen challenges. And we wanted to share our two very different perspectives on solving these leadership challenges. Do enjoy. Thank you. Well, welcome everybody to uh, Leadership Lessons from Across the Pond with myself, Julian Roberts, and my co-host, Nancy Halpern. Good to see you, Nancy. It's always good to see you, Julian. How are you? Yes, I'm doing really well. The sun is shining here in the UK and also we are relaxing some of our lockdown measures. Uh, and in fact, I've had some lunch with some of my friends today outside because we're allowed to, uh, which was very nice. So a very nice start. How about yourself? The daffodils are blooming in Central Park and the tulips are coming up on Park Avenue. So that gives everybody a big lift. Hello, spring. We need it. Fantastic. I'm actually jealous of you being in Central Park. That's lovely. Um, a lovely part of the world to be in. So today we're, we're looking at this um, how we manage or how we identify or how we manage flight risk, particularly those sort of high performance. And in some ways, this this sort of taps into this sort of talent retention, really. How do we maintain and keep uh, good talent within our business? And so I guess the first thought I'd like to sort of let to explore, really, um, Nancy, is, is how, how do we identify that we've potentially got some of these risks within our organization? Well, I think that if you have someone who's a great performer, but you also know that they have maxed out in terms of compensation for their level, you always potentially have a flight risk there, don't you? Mm. Uh, you also have flight risk. Again, we're assuming this is great talent. Otherwise, you may not be that concerned if they leave. Uh, if they seem to keep bringing you a problem that doesn't get resolved. And or if they are having a tough time with you as their boss and or a tough time with a couple of critical colleagues and or they don't see a next step. Because sometimes one of the biggest problems is you don't have a next step for them. You know, you may not have a deeply hierarchical or growing organization. So I think those are the kind of elements mm. that I keep in my mind to identify when you might have somebody who's actually a flight risk. Um, also, frankly, if you are in a growing industry, and if you're mm. in an industry that shrunk and you think they would have a very hard time finding something else, then that's an external factor, but that can also have an influence. What do you think, Julian? Have you seen anything else? Yeah, I, I suppose when you, it's when you see a high performer who's been fully engaged, uh, hitting their KPIs, and then you start to see this, slight negativity creeping in and slight sort of withdrawn potentially. Uh, and I know that can be quite challenging in the remote world to identify. Um, and and I guess, like you say, they, they perhaps feel a little bit stuck. They see a bit of a no way. Where's the, the sort of career roadmap? Uh, although it shouldn't be so clear in some ways. It's, it's always evolving and that should be done through discussions. And I think it's it's almost watching out for this sort of energy levels, really, and just oh. just sense that something. And I, I've had people who've worked for me, and 
you just see a difference in their tone, a difference in their energy, and you start thinking, oh, there's something up here. What is this? And I, and I think it's 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 being curious and intuitive, really, as leaders, really, to start to spot those things, isn't it? You know, because after all, we're all people, and we uh, we display things. Well, and we some of us, I mean, you know. some of us are people, <laughs> <laughs> and we could. And I think, and that that's where you know, for me, it goes to that point where you got to start to engage people and start to ask. And start to develop a rapport and start to, I guess, get things on the table. Because not that you say, oh, you're lot really negative today or you're this and start to poke it. But just have a conversation, isn't it? Because actually, it might be nothing to do with work that actually is causing well, I was thing. just, I was just thinking that. And I also want to give a shout out to um, some of the people who are commenting. Hello, Anita, Francisco, and Sharon. Welcome all. Um, you know, Julian, sometimes people also, there's a, COVID has really complicated that. You know, someone may be going through something that's personal that has resulted in them being more quiet in meetings, let's say, than usual, mm. where um, in the past they really contributed. But it, not everyone is going to be comfortable either talking about what's wrong and not everybody is also willing to confess that they're thinking of leaving to their manager. You know, it's lots of people will hold back. So that does put once again, I think, the the responsibility on a leader to be sure that they're on top of it and to know in advance of when that person is a flight risk of how you motivate, encourage, grow, Mm. develop and lead your top talent, which really sort of gets us into the talent retention piece, doesn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. And we, we were just talking offline about that whole sense of Zoom, how you it's it's cognitively quite challenging, but also very difficult to understand the cues. And I think sometimes you can't always observe what is going on in reality that you would normally get in an in-person. And I think that's some real challenges. But I think, as you say, we need to get more. How do we proactively keep that talent? How do we proactively keep them engaged? And, you know, the, the big one is, and, and this is not, a thing to always think about in terms of making it quite specific is is that whole career development piece you know because yes there's the obvious the money the healthcare all that sort of stuff but they're almost the the rations and you need every month to keep you going but that's not going to motivate you it's it's that sense of career development the aspiration of where they're going and you know i've been in organizations where i know personally where i knew there was no way forward obviously you know there wasn't that specific you know, you do this for a number of years and you move up to this point and everything else, because it's not always as simple as that. However, I found for my own personal development, what what was helpful for me uh, and also I've done to other individuals is was a almost a a roadmap roadmap that was fairly um, fluid because it wasn't definitive because things Uh change all the time. But what they would do is then start teeing you up, whether they're going to invest in certain aspects of training or whether they're going to invest in coaching with you to help support you in that change. And that started to then create, actually, these this 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 company really values me because they're spending some money to get me better and ready for that next level, whenever that is, whatever it may be, but they're investing already. And another one I found also helpful was this, where you get assigned a mentor. And that's really helpful because that gives you that somebody to sort of bounce off a little bit, somebody to talk yeah. to, and somebody to sort of to almost – hopefully it doesn't go back to the anybody else it's a confidential thing but it gives you that sort of i'm really struggling with this have you found this 
and has that really healthy debate about motivation as well. And I found that really helpful in organizations. I mean, in the old days, meaning maybe like 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> old when, days. Yeah, the old days. When companies were, uh, companies would actively identify what they called hypos, right? High potentials. And they would create a track for those people to uh, create their visibility, to, ex sorry, extend their visibility, to uh, create specialized in a sense, development perks and other goodies for them. Mm -hmm. But I think I've seen companies really pull away from that. And I don't know if that was because of bias or because they didn't, or implied bias, or they didn't find them cost effective. But I think there are two mistakes that many leaders make on this topic. The first mistake is not understanding that different people are motivated differently. Mm. Some people truly are motivated by money. Show me the money. All right, that's the love. There are lots of people like that. There are other people who feel that they're fairly, if not well compensated, and what they want is more challenging work, or mm. they want to be excused from meetings. There are other people who feel that I need a larger remit. I want more people reporting to me. I want to increase my um, outside visibility, and you don't allow that. Mm -hmm. So I want more flexibility for example, is a motivator. So I think knowing what motivates that particular talent mm -hmm. is really important. The other mistake I think companies make all the time is they, is they wait till a really critical person has an outside offer and then it's a bidding war. Is it as, as if they were no, negotiating for a piece of real estate? And, and, and that's the, that, sorry to interrupt, that is the, the biggest mistake and it never works out well for anybody if if, if they stay because they don't address the issue which you've just talked about so eloquently beforehand six months later they leave or you know they get another offer somewhere else because it doesn't really address it because it's usually a money well not always well, a money I'm thing not, i'm going to interrupt you and i'm not sorry <laughs> and i'm going to push back against that if you're the type of person who's motivated actually primarily by money it works out great for you because you're now going, you're on auction and you're going for the highest bidder. The reason I think it's a mistake for a company is that if they were compensating people well or up to the level that talent deserves in the first place, they wouldn't have to go through that process. Now, from a financial perspective, I totally get why they don't. Mm. But it, it just seems to me like they're hitting the pause button on something they're going to do that that is avoidable in the first place. So, like I said, I understand the rationale for it, but I just yeah. But I think what also I agree if the money motivated, they get what they want. Yeah. But I think there's a, a bit of a sense of so I had to do this for you to listen to me, and that's I agree with that. so I think that's what tends to happen. And also, the company can feel bargained against and and sort of armor, you know, a gun to the head, so to speak. Well, and therefore, there's a little bit of I don't think the relationship last terribly well in that situation personally well, also, I found that. it also becomes a precedent so then other people find out about it no matter how secret it is right mm -hmm. and then everyone actually sometimes people will shop for a competitive offer just to increase their salary yeah um so i agree with you so yeah i do think it's it's a mistake um so okay so here's what we've covered as we wrap up i know you're the host but so what? Um, <laughs> it'll be my turn next week anyway, so I might as well just warm up, right? We've talked Absolutely. About, yeah, we've talked about some of the identifying factors. We've talked about the importance of development. 
and recognition. We've talked about the importance of knowing what motivates that particular individual. And we've talked about some of the mistakes that leaders and companies make. Um, you know, there's one more thing I want to say, Julian, about this, maybe 50 more, I don't know, but one <laughs> is that <laughs> I think it's really important to think about a critical role versus a critical player. And companies sometimes conflate those two, right? You might have a critical role where you need someone who can do a good job because without that role being filled, you'd be sunk. Mm-hmm. And then you have someone who's terrific, sometimes not even in as critical a role. So if you have, if it's a critical role and you have someone who's just good, you know, sometimes the best thing you can do is actually let them move on because that creates an opportunity yeah. to actually get someone terrific, especially in that very critical role. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. And I've had many situations where I've let people go and not fought for them. And um, and it's interesting because I think sometimes our strategy has been to try and get more money. And I've gone, oh, that's no, great. Go for it. And, and you can see their face thinking, ah, that Uh-oh. didn't work, did it? <laughs> You're so cruel, Julian. Um, or... Or, or, or I, do you know what? I, I have challenged. If, if I want to keep the individual, I think they're worth, whether it's a critical role or a critical person, I don't have a healthy conversation with them because I, I think it's important not to feel a sense of, oh, I'll come and match you. Actually, what are your reasons? And that gives me the opportunity to say, why are you going there? What is it? And I, and I get to the point of thinking, do you know what? I, we can't give you that in this short space of time. And that's, and that's leaders being really honest, really open, and actually courageous about it, not saying holding on to, yes, there's an impact, clearly, because you're going to think, oh, I've got to try and retire, all that sort of stuff, onboarding, and that's a lot of effort. But actually letting people go in a positive way serves you well. And I've, I've, I've employed other people when I've moved companies myself, and I've brought other people in who've left because of the relationship I had with them and how I operated with them, how I work with them. So I think it's important to be open-handed as well and sort of uh, an approach. I have. I'm sure you'll be shocked by this. I've thought of two more things. One, <laughs> I, I think the timing can play a huge factor. If you're mm. in the midst of launching a critical initiative that's going to, I don't know, whatever, launch within the next 90 days, you might not be able to afford that person. So you might expect to pay a premium. And it's just something to think about. There's what they want, but there's also what do you need. Yeah. And this so timing really does matter. This, I mean, you might hate them for what in your case is bad timing. When you think about it as a negotiation, pretty savvy on their part. The other thing I need, I think we need to think about in terms of identifying and managing flight risk employees and talent is the whole future of work. Will it be hybrid? Will it be work from home? Will mm. it be virtual first? Is going to potentially increase pressure from some of your key talent about what they want. And their expectation is you're going to be very flexible for them. Mm. And so if your company hasn't sort of started to think about this in a creative talent driven way, I think you may be you better come to the, the ball game because it's going to start really soon. No, and I agree. And I think that whole sort of whether it's flexible working, hybrid working, however, however you want to call it, you know, are people going about the office? Uh, I think you is a is a huge part to play in how to help people, motivate people, and keep people there. And um, I think it's probably a, a discussion for us to have. I think uh, on here in terms of how we how how companies might map that out and work that through uh, as we go forward. So, thank you for those. So thank you for those who've been um, who've been commenting and listening. We appreciate you supporting us. Uh, do continue to like and 
you can go to a YouTube uh, uh, channel of this or the past episodes, which we'll put a link into the comments when we come off air. Um, yes, great, great to see you again, Nancy. Appreciate always. your insight as always. Always. And I'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll see you next week, same time. Uh, thank you very much. Bye, everybody.